correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello. And this week we're going to talk some RPGs. But before that, we're going to talk about Primed by Cortex. Rhymed by Cortex. Yes, it's another podcast here on the D20 Radio Network. It's hosted by JT and Kirby, who, um, well, they both sound almost exactly the same. So I continuously mess up their names. And at one time point, I had combined their names into one monstrosity because, well, it made me laugh. And uh, anyway, it's a great show. Yep, it is a great show. Yeah, it's a great show. It's all about Cortex Prime settings, etc. for that interviews with creators uh i believe they've done interviews with some of the actual designers for the game as well as some of the official supplements for it you know they're a little hit and miss as to exactly when they release things but they put out some stuff a little bit ago and Mm -hmm. uh hopefully they got some more coming because it's a good show and a good game yeah yeah we've had them both on the podcast and good people (laughs) yep and you can well there'll be a link for that in the show notes you can find out more at uh Go to d20radio.com and then click on the podcast tab. And there'd be a whole list of all kinds of other great shows. And there's also a blog there has a bunch of cool articles and all kinds of fun stuff. So, <laughs> and probably a link to something about Gamer Nation Con. Yes, definitely a link to something about Gamer Nation Con. If not, search that on Kickstarter. Uh, it's happening in April, tax weekend, Dallas, Texas, four days of gaming goodness. Come play with us. Yeah, planning on being there. So, yep. All right. All right. So I came up with a topic and we sort of talked about it and liked the idea. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about splitting the party. Yes. Splitting the party. You know, it's one of those things. And I, I will say, I, I, I got more giggles out of that little blurb in the front of the 5 EPHB that's like down to the. You ever seen that? Uh, probably. I just can't think There's what it's a right little now. something in the, in the front of the. PHB, like on the title page or something about which of the ghost no responsive takes no responsibility for blah blah blah, something about splitting the party. And of course, you know, it's it's a classic trope, right? That oh, you never want to split the party. You never want to split the party. Well uh, I tend to disagree, but you know <laughs> I, I completely just di- like adamantly and vehemently disagree with that. I actually enjoy it from a GM's perspective. Sometimes it's required. Well, yeah, that too. Let's start with how do we want to, where do we want to start? You want to start with the idea that, you know, when we talk about splitting the party, that brings a lot of dread in players, and I don't think it should. Fair. Depending on the system you're playing. Now, if you're playing something that's deadly or can be deadly, like D&D, like Call of Cthulhu, splitting the party can be very tense and very uh, tense, just very scary. But splitting the party for a GM and from a GM's perspective, it makes for a really interesting thing because it lets you set up different dynamics different stories gives you the freedom that you you sort of want and the ability to tell maybe a split story that you wouldn't be able to tell if the party was all together right yeah Um, but there's 
Oh, sorry. No. No, no, no. I think also it can just let you avoid overcrowded scenes. Right. Right. There are too many people here. Why are there so many people here? And it also lets you avoid some of that some of that boredom. If the party's split and like half the party's doing something and half the party's doing something else, you can have like if somebody needs to go go to the bathroom and they're in party B, okay, go. Like yeah. You're like I get you want to hear what's happening, but you're not here for this scene, so it's not necessary for you to be at the table right now. It's a good way to give a break to the whole group because it lets like half the group get up and be like, okay, I can move around. I can get a drink. I don't have to worry about like actively participating. Yeah. No, it, it, it does that. It also like it, it, it lets you spotlight people a little better can also just make the bookkeeping a little less cumbersome. I mean, yes, you've got two things to, sets of things to keep track of but neither set is as big right right and sometimes it's easier to juggle four balls twice than eight balls all at once mm-hmm. not that i can juggle at all but <laughs> but no I, I get where you're coming from where you're like okay this makes it a little bit easier for me to be like all right i only have to focus on this right now but you need to be careful and this is what i was going to say when you split the party you have to be careful about that balance because it is a balancing act We've talked a lot about player engagement, keeping your players entertained and, and, and not bored out of their mind. And it's important that you don't, you don't exclude a, a party B. Let's say you have party A and party B. You don't want to exclude party B for too long because those players are going to be like, well, I feel like I, this, you know, I feel like today's session for me was pointless. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, you, you've got a, a point there. And then I think the thing is you you kind of want to ping pong back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's wonderful because you can find that little dramatic moment and just leave them hanging on it. Yeah. And, and, and switch back and forth on those all the time. Yeah. No, the cliffhangers are fun. Well, I think the other thing is, is that if you have to say you have a lot Say party A and party B have a lot of things to man- to deal with, and you don't necessarily have a good narrative cliffhanger for them to cut back and forth on. Mm-hmm. What you could do in your scheduling, and this is just my personal opinion, if you're only playing, let's say, let's say you only play four hours every every week, right? Mm-hmm. And you know that party A's adventure is going to take four hours, and party B's adventure is going to take four hours. All right, well then you just put out the message and go. This week, I only need these people. They're in party A. This week, I only need these people. They're in party B. And mm-hmm. that way, you don't have to worry about, well, everybody showed up for the session, and now they're all bored, or now half of the group's bored because, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's a way to do it. I usually don't split for extended periods like that. I try not that's to. That's a viable way to do it. I try not to, but I've definitely run into situations where I've had to. Mm-hmm. Because of players just want to do something that, like, I've had an entire party go, we want to do this. And then the other half of the party go, well, we want to do this. And it sort of splits down the line. And you're like, okay, well, there's half of you that want to go this way and half of you that want to go that way. So why don't we just agree that we're going to split the party? And we'll just sort of treat it like two separate campaigns for a little bit. You know what I mean? It could do that. I've I've heard, you know, I know of... of the GMs that 
run as many as three concurrent campaigns in the same timeline. Right. Which to me would be a massive headache. You know, yeah. in that case, they're running full parties in, in all groups. But yeah, I just I've done that once or twice where it's just been like, we want to go explore, you know, we want to go explore Skeleton Mountain and they want to go explore the town. So the half that want to go explore Skeleton Mountain are going to go explore Skeleton Mountain and come back to town once that all goes down. And the half that want to go do town are going to go ahead and do town now and just sort of do their thing for a session. Mm -hmm. And I've also done it where I had a player that wanted out of a character. Okay, good. I'll split the party, get you out of that character. Because it made for a really interesting, it made for a very interesting dynamic because the player that wanted out of their character got out of their character and half of the party had basically like, half of the party had this like guilt about them because they weren't there when that character was defeated. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it made for a really interesting dynamic in the group because they, you know, they were all like, what happened to Bob? Bob's gone. Can we get it? No. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so it just, it was a really, it was a really neat way and really interesting way, especially because and I didn't tell any of anybody else in the group, but the player wanted out of that character. And so I came up with a good reason to split the party, went ahead and split the party. And then did like I had done in the past where I said, OK, well, this is probably going to take a whole session to just do their side of things. So why don't the half of you that aren't there go, you know, just hold off on coming to that session. And then we'll all meet up like two weeks from now and have a full party session mm -hmm. and he got the send off he wanted the the um party members that were with him got to see what happened and then got to retell the other party members what happened yeah it, it was really neat that's a, that's a good way of doing that now a bad way of doing that would be having everybody there sitting at the table bored out of their minds because a whole session of a split party can be really rough if you're not cutting back and forth on stuff right Right. That's the thing that I think you want to, and you know, like it, back in the, in the day with all the dungeon crawls and maybe more adversarial styles of play. Yeah. Splitting the party effectively made you weaker in some ways, right. As, as a group. But I think with, with the more modern styles of play where it's, it's really more, you know, about, about the story, you know, splitting the party just, it allows for, in some cases, it allows for you to get things done in a timely manner in game, mm -hmm. you know, like, like with Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green or an investigation game. Well, you two go check this out. Well, the other two go check that out. You know, that's a, a very viable way in, in actually dang near any game, right? We've been doing that in the Star Wars game that we're playing just because, you know, it, it makes sense for these two people to go do this. Well, these three people go do that or you know, whatever the breakdown is. Yeah, it's it's an interesting, interesting idea, right? Mm hmm. And I think you're right. The the faux pas of splitting the party isn't there anymore. It's not what it used to be. And I think that's because we see that transition over. Give me two seconds. Stop. <laughs> oh, <sighs> Steve's dog is trying to join the podcast. <laughs> but we see that transit. Let me let him out. <laughs> Sorry. So we see that as a faux pas, like you said. Back when games were more 
based around and and even now, I mean, we have a lot of games that are based around combat, fighting, all that fun stuff. Yeah. I think now that we're getting into more narrative and now we have a lot of games that are more narrative focused, splitting the party isn't as much of a faux pas because it's more about the story now than it's ever really been. Yeah. Well, I think it's just, but if you think about it, how we do things in life, right? Like at work, you know, you send, you know, these two people go over and work on this thing and me and this other person go over and work on this thing. Yeah. And no. then we meet up and we put the two things together or whatever, you know, it, it's, I, I get that. I think in the past that was more handled with the, uh, like we talked about a little bit ago, two concurrent campaigns or multiple concurrent campaigns that all culminated into one big one. Mm-hmm. I think more so now we're seeing, especially, like I said, with more narrative games, you might have a session where you have two players that are the important players right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you don't want to single everyone, like you don't want to single just one person out, but sometimes you have to, sometimes a story just ends up wrapping themselves so tightly around a character that, you just don't have the option. It's just going to be a you for a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, but I think that's that's good in a way, right? Because that gives that that character, that player, the spotlight for a little while. Yeah. You just need to move that around. Yeah. You just have to make sure that everybody gets a little bit of the spotlight. But yeah, it's just it's interesting. Splitting the party is is just an interesting concept in general, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I don't know where I was going with this thought. Well, I think part of it is, you know, as a GM, are you viewing the world as it is what it is, regardless of who's there? Are you, you know, like, like, you know, there's a six foot nine ogre that weighs 422 pounds at the end of the hallway, or is there a significant challenge at the end of the hallway? Mm. You know what I mean? And, and by that, what I'm saying is if you split the party now that that ogre may be more of a challenge than the players or the characters that are in that segment of the party really want to handle. Be fine if it was the whole party. So I think when you split the party, you have to be conscious of what what the the segment you have is capable of. And I think this is where in very combat intensive games, maybe splitting the party isn't the greatest idea because it does create a lot more balance work for the GM, but at the same time, I don't know. You know, you get where I'm going though. Yeah, I hear I hear what you're saying. I think it's it's really just very important that that you find yourself it's not find yourself. It's very important that as a GM you make sure that um sorry, my brain just wandered off. Well, it's kind of like the, the, the only planning in bullet points, right? Having a fluid plan because you don't want them to split and both head into things that are too big for them. But at the same point, you can't plan for every eventuality and, and try and, you know, delicately balance every encounter based on, is it this character, this character, and this character, or this character, that character, and the other one? You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, that's a good way to drive yourself crazy in any system. Yeah, but I think more narrative systems are probably more forgiving of that too. Yeah, more narrative systems are forgiving of certain things and and I think it's it's just one of those things where you just have to understand that splitting the party can be a very good tool, can be a very good thing. It is 
a good thing to have in your pocket in case you need it. But you got to be careful with it because you can you can sometimes alienate your party. You can sometimes bore your party. It's just one of those things where it's it's there's a right way of doing it and a wrong way of doing it. And I think you have to be very conscious of that and just tell somebody that the wrong way of doing it really is to have just like the the wrong way of doing it is to have everybody there at the table bored out of their mind aside from this handful or one or two people that are like in the spotlight and you've been at this for hours and hours and hours. And I think you talked about that a little bit when you said about find a spot to cliffhanger and change over. And I completely agree with that. I think the thing of it is, is that there is always some kind of narrative hang point that you can use. You can pick and be like, all right, at this narrative point, we're going to go ahead and switch back to party B. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, uh, like Justin was saying in the, the pacing episode, right? You, you have, you know, at X, whatever, whatever your marker is, it could be a time, it could be a, a threshold of some sort, whatever. It's the monster's turn. He rears back and we cut to the other party. Right. You know, it could be, it could even be, I mean, I've done this. It can even be a comedic hang point, right? Oh Yeah. You walk into the you walk into the shopkeeps. He looks at you and goes, "Get out!" And we cut back to the other party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like before you even have time to react, we just cut back to party B or party A, party C, whatever, however many groups. And splitting the party, we've talked about this. I've talked about this pretty much exclusively as a binary. It does not have to be a binary either. If you have, let's say, five or six players, let's say six. And you pl- split the party three ways, two players, two players, two players. That's not a problem, right? Mm-mm. You don't have to just split it in half. You can split it three ways. As many ways as you can juggle it. If you have six players and all six players go in different directions and you can handle that, good for you. Yeah, Oof. that I think would be rough. But like you said, though, it, it is a matter of it. And especially like for for more investigative games you know be it gumshoe call of cthulhu delta green anything of that ilk right you're you're routinely going to have these two go off to do this thing these two go off to do that thing you know bob goes over there to do that sue goes the other way yeah whatever yeah i i think that's another thing um just to go off on a quick tangent because you made me think of this right now chris spivey put out a tweet the other day about um wanting to work on delta green and I know our reach isn't amazing, but I hope it reaches the right ears. Man, if somebody at Delta Green is listening, give that man a, like, tell call him. <laughs> because I want to know what he would do with Delta Green. I want to know, what I want to see that, like, more than anything, I want to see that. Mm-hmm. If yeah. somebody, what is it, Green Ronin, is that? No. Uh, no, it's Arc um, Dream. Dream. If somebody at Arc Dream's listening to this, Chris Spivey would like to talk to you, and he is a very important person. <laughs> Please give that man a chance to work on your game. I would love to see what he could do with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Anyway, no, Chris sorry. is a good dude. Delta Green's a good game. I'd like. <laughs> I would like to see that combination too. Sorry, just thought about that. I, no, we were talking okay. about we were talking about those investigative games, and it was like, man, Chris put out that tweet, and it makes me sad because <laughs> <laughs> he does so much work for so many people. I know. Plus and himself. The fact that he hasn't done work on Delta Green is saddening. Yeah, well, and I 
I think they have a fairly tight circle that they use regularly, though. Well, get him in that circle. <laughs> he needs to be in there. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, um, we were talking about, yeah, in narrative, in, in, not narrative, in investigative games, you're right. Everybody sort of some sort of goes off in their own direction a lot of the time. And that's not a bad thing. And nobody says that's a bad thing, but that's splitting the party. It is. But yeah, you just got to be, you got to be able to juggle. Like that's all there is to it with, with those games, especially with the investigative games. If, if your juggling skills aren't great, you might not enjoy investigative games. You know what I mean? That's, that's true too. Now this kind of brings a thought to mind, this whole conversation um, and it was something that you mentioned when we were talking about Retro Star, which we have currently going as a little bit of an AP, but is, if you want to call it ensemble play or uh, troop play, where maybe within the campaign, you, you uh, your players each have several characters. And I know this has been mentioned with, uh, it was mentioned, I think, expressly in the Retro Star book. I've heard it talked about with like Star Trek. Uh, you could do it with like Star Wars, a lot of different games. You could really make it work where you might have two, three characters each and you take these ones on this mission, not these ones, which is in a sense, another way of splitting the party, although not in the conventional context, I think. Right. You know, but in a way it is because on some level stuff keeps happening where those other characters are or should. I don't know. It was kind of a weird, random, seems like derailing thought. It is. I, I, um, <laughs> it was a derailing thought, and I'm I'm so distracted right now. Sorry. Um, Good grief. I, I can't even think right now. But, yeah, no, I think, like, like, splitting the party to me is not something to actively be avoided, at least not the way I GM or the way I like to play. Let me put it that way. Now, if I know that we're headed towards the big bad, no, I don't want to split the party. But most of the time, okay, it, 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 it's also one of those things where, you know, we say it all the time, but listen to your players, right? If your players are wanting to go in different directions, that's telling you they have different interests. And so if they have different interests, you need to accommodate them at least to a point and if that means interest A or this way and interest B or that way, then that's what you do until you can figure out a way to make them uh, converge again. Yeah, no, making things converge and, and getting back together. That's another important thing with splitting the party. Split the party and then make sure you bring them back together. Yes. <laughs> uh, because I've seen, I've been part of that where we split the party and then... Uh, yeah, they didn't make it, and so we didn't bring the party back together. Yes, don't split the party like firewood. Yeah, <laughs> I've 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 been there though that that works too, where you split the party like firewood, where it, narratively you can you can sometimes get away with. Um, well, that kind of goes to the the story you were telling a little bit ago about the the player you had that wanted out of the character they were playing. Right, 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 right. Well, I did that. I did that for somebody. But the reason I did that that way is because before that, I had had that done with me. I was part of the B party, and we had a player that didn't want to play with us anymore. It was going to be like his last session. He just couldn't. And so 
they had already split the party. He went off. We wrote off his, they wrote off his character and come back. And everybody was like dealing with the fact that he was gone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, obviously, obviously if it's somebody's, you know, if that's something that somebody doesn't want to deal with, like loss or any of that, you know, that can be changed or whatever, but dealing with losing a character that way makes for really interesting in my opinion, because it doesn't like, doesn't, it's not one of my veils. It's not one of my hard lines, right? Because that doesn't bother me. That's an interesting way to, you know, walk somebody out of a campaign basically. Yeah. Or even a character or, or, you know, anything like that. Right. Well, I think it can also provide in, in, in that kind of spirit, it can provide interesting narrative elements to a game too, because like, okay, let's say, think of how many times in like Firefly, they split up to do things and one of them's doing one thing and one of them's doing the other. And then everything goes all kerfluey for the one side and the other side now sees all kinds of crazy stuff happen and tries to figure out what's going on and has to get the other party, half of the party out of the kerfuffle without knowing the details. Yeah, that's a good way of doing things too. That works. That's Star Wars. That's Firefly. That's everything. Yeah. That's a lot of narrative is everything went sideways. Well, look at, <laughs> look at Han Solo and Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oops, they're being ambushed. Well, I better just go give him a hand real quick. <laughs> yeah, and you can make that work with or without comms between the party. Right? No communication and just seeing the fireworks. Like, being able to see the fireworks in the distance makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you just hear alarms going off in the complex. Or, you know, in fantasy thing, it's trumpets, alarms. You have some kind of scuttlebutt, like where we're talking about you hear people in the town talking about they just imprisoned, you know, a bunch of people trying to steal this thing. Oh, crap. That was our friends. We need to go. We, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or better yet, you do that and then you don't actually have your, have their friends be the ones in prison. <laughs> you could do that. Yeah. That, that, that requires some dedicated role players, I think. Especially no, no, if they're no. all at the table, but well, that's that's why I like having half of the group. Especially when you split the party, I like to just dismiss the party that's not there. Fair, because then they're not there to know what's going on, right? Like, no, that's a good point. It's interesting. Yeah, but I mean, you get that. You know, you could have those those genuinely funny moments of how many times you see, you know one player or one character is, is hiding around a corner, getting ready to smack the next person that comes down and his buddy who's on the, the other team comes up and gets clocked. One of my favorite moments from critical role season two that I cannot find a clip of is Talis and Jaffe says to the party at some point, there is like some of the party that's coming back into a fight and Talison goes, we're running. It's bad. And that's the only context <laughs> for the people that weren't there. Like, door opens, Talison goes, we're running, it's bad, and they just leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? And <laughs> I laugh because I can't find it as a clip, and I don't remember what episode it was from, but it was like, during this combat, it was a one-off line, but it perfectly en encapsulates 
what happens when you take a split party and bring them back together? Just we're running. It's bad. We got to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> like we got to get out of here. Yeah, no, but that's exactly right. And, and as long as your players are willing to, so to speak, suspend that player knowledge and just, you know, go with, this is all my character knows. So this is how they're going to react. That can create genuinely just wonderfully fun moments. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think you gotta, I think that's a conversation and be like, are you guys good with suspending your player knowledge for a minute? Mm -hmm. Like, if you can't, that's fine. And I think you need to be like, that's okay. You don't have to. But I think you really want to have that conversation and be like, can you do this? And if you can, then, okay, let's have the talk of like, let's do that thing. Right. Right. Well, I think that goes to, and and I'll credit uh, Jim Davey, WebDM, with, with the line. It goes to playing the world, not the numbers on your character sheet. You know, because, well, it's what my character would do is such a overused and overabused line. Right. I completely agree. It's it's so often used as an excuse for the player to just be a jackass. Yeah. But, I uh I feel like I feel like I have I sometimes at a table I played with players where sometimes I wish I had the uh happy Gilmore clip just on a button. <laughs> Because I played with players that were like, just, man, if I could just use that clip persistently. <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's a it's a delicate balance, but it also goes, you know, we did an episode about this a long time ago. I just happened to see it somehow, you know, about suboptimal play, where you're not always worried about making the best choice. And I think that goes into, you know, what we're talking about here, where, you know, it's bad. We're running. You know, given the context, there's not time for this big tactical explanation that you may have as a player because you were yep. sitting there. No, it's, You're, it's bad. The we're door running. opened. Your friend came at you and said, we're beating feet. What do you do? Yeah, we run. <laughs> we're, we're going. We got to go. Yeah, I don't know. You know, now, I mean, if, you know, to, to throw the, the critical role, you know, it could be Grog and a chalkboard full of calculus, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I think, to me anyway, and in, in, in the modern style of play, or more, you know, the way that we're playing at least, I think splitting the party is, is a fun thing to do. And it, it allows you to do more things and show more things too, right? Mm -hmm. You know, plus like we mentioned before, the, the overcrowding aspect. Like, if you're going to go talk to some informant, you know, well, if six people show up, they're going to be intimidated. Yeah. If two people show up, now it's a conversation. If you're trying to sneak somewhere, it's a whole lot easier for two people to sneak than six. Usually. I completely agree with you. So, I don't know. I think splitting the party is cool. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think it's a cool idea. I think it works really well. Yeah, just neat. Just, just a neat concept that works really, really well. Mm-hmm. And it could also create elements where maybe one half of your party inadvertently does something that now affects the other half and you don't realize it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When, when, when fuel to the fire, you know what I mean? When you can step back as a player and just embrace it and roll with that, that gets fun. I think 
Yeah, I think one of the best things that's come out in recent years, as far as in the community and things being talked about, is this idea of embrace chaos. And I think that's great. Yeah. Yep. I I really do. I I as somebody who is, and I, I've I've sort of was talking to somebody at a a game store about this recently, and it was this idea that um as somebody who is kind of silly is kind of goofy. I'm all about that. Like, yeah, let's what happens if we just say yes to the wild, crazy thing? Why do we got to be why do these games we play have to be grounded in reality all the time? That's a good point, right? What, like what what happens when we just go, Nah, let's be silly for a minute, right? Yeah, <laughs> let's, I mean, it's about having fun. And look, there are games that are supposed to be. Oh no! I, there are games that need to be deadly serious because they deal with serious issues, right? right. Uh, what is that? The Heart of Coal, Price of Coal. What was that one? I can't remember. It was a the one about the Appalachian coal miners. Yes. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it either, but I know you were had mentioned it. Yeah, I was very excited about it, but that's not a silly game. That's, no, you can't be goofy in that one. I mean, you could have a goofy moment, but. It, the overarching tone is going to be this very serious, very somber tone because of what was going on in the context around it. But at the same time, something like, I don't know, Rifts, right? Rifts is a very, you could play that game very deadly serious, I'm sure, yeah. somehow. But Rifts is a game, as a concept to me personally, I look at it and go, oh, I just want to go bonkers in that. Like, I just want to just absolutely go nuts rips does gonzo very well <laughs> right like the monty python game i'm not expecting it to be deadly serious <laughs> no if it comes out and it is i think that's going to be a, 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 a objectively no not objectively yes objectively not subjectively objectively a failure as a game if it comes <laughs> out and is deadly serious yeah, but well it's like how do you want to say it it's like i've talked about the princess bride the movie mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. it's it's a movie that takes itself seriously and not taking itself seriously everybody in that movie is acting as though that movie is a serious drama right but the the things happening around that movie are ridiculous and tropey and fun right other than sean wallace sean wallace knew he was in a comedy <laughs> <laughs> I think that's his name. Sean Wallace. Is that his name? Which character? Uh, inconceivable. Oh, okay. I know who you're talking. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know his name, but yeah. No, but but like you take that as opposed to like a Mel Brooks film, and I think you know Mel Brooks films are genius, but yeah, Sean Wallace is his name. They they don't or Wallace Sean <laughs> backwards. Sorry. <laughs> you know no. the 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 difference is in a Mel Brooks film. It's about the satire and and kind of being aware that it's just goofy. Mm-hmm. Where I think people forget the end of Blazing Saddles, they go through the sound stage. <laughs> the end of Blazing Saddles, Blazing Saddles ends on the MGM backlot. <laughs> you know, but but like that's the thing, right? Like it can be objectively funny, but not be subjectively funny. Right. Right, and you can do that in a game. Yeah, no, I I think you just need to 
sometimes you just have to embrace chaos. And sometimes in splitting the party, that is embracing chaos. Mm-hmm. That is inviting shenanigans to happen. And certainly can be. Again, we, we've talked a lot about Critical Role, but all those times that Grog and Scanlan went and did their own thing. Or, mm-hmm. Like, some of the best clips from Critical Role Season 1 are Grog and Scanlan just in a town. <laughs> or, yeah, Grog in particular, Travis was real good at that, of not being disruptive, but at the same point, being the character he was, and that character monkey-wrenching things a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no. He understood that character. Uh, uh, but, you know, and and that's, I think that too is a fine line to walk, right? Between mm-hmm. causing chaos for the sake of causing chaos and causing chaos that's within the bounds of what your character would do. And And maybe that's another topic we can talk about at some point is that, you know, it's what my character would do. Well, it, yes, but... <laughs> I hate that argument. Oh, it, I hate that argument so much. That is an argument that mm, this might, I, I don't know. Uh, that's a that's a conversation we need to have. But I hate that <laughs> argument so much because that's an argument that only, like, the, in the handful of times that I've heard that argument used, it's used by a certain subset of people. And that subset of people just aren't the kind of people that I want to be around. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> no, I, I get exactly what you're saying. And I don't think you're wrong. Um, valid argument, but it's not often used by the people who really should be using it. No, that argument should be used when you do something, let's say, uninformed, not when you do something that's, for lack of a better term, shitty. (laughs) No, I agree with you. And a lot of the times the people that that use that argument are just doing bad things or Mm -hmm. shitty things. And then using that argument as a as a scapegoat, and it's not, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. Like if 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 you're gonna sit at the table and go, well, it's what my character should do. That it should be because you assisted the bad guy by accident, not because you decided to do some terrible thing that nobody would like, some terrible thing that would isn't acceptable in polite society, right? Right. And, and I think I think you know that's just my opinion. And if if that you know whatever. <laughs> if that loses me, if that loses me some cred with people, well, then I'm I'm sorry. But every time I've heard that argument, it's from people that I'd much rather not even be at the table with, anyways. So, no, I think that's fair. Um, got a little heavy there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it happens. It does. Uh, what else we got? Uh, split the party. It's a good thing until it isn't. Until it is. I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. You do yeah, you. I, I think it's a tool. <laughs> I think you it's know? a tool. I think it's it's like everything. Have it in the bag. Be prepared if you need to. And don't be afraid to if you need to. Have a conversation mm-hmm. with your players. Talk to them about what they expect. Be like, hey, um, I think we need to split the party here. And if the players go, no. All right. How do you want to do this then? Because we got two objectives that need taken care of. And... Half of you need to do this objective and half of you need to do that objective. So what's a, what's a solution here that makes everybody happy? Yeah. And, and also if they want to split and you don't want them split, figure out a way to funnel them back together or just talk to them. Be like, all right, can we take a break? Cause I want to talk to you guys about this. I don't necessarily want to split the party. I know you guys want to split up. Is there a way we could come to a compromise? Can we do, you know, 
can the whole party b- do both things and I can maybe slow the timer down or whatever. I think a lot of the time what 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 happens is, is we like to get caught up in in and it, it's not necessarily the most fun part of role playing, but we like to get caught up in the part of role playing where we're just rolling with the punches and we're just going and going and going and going and going. But I think sometimes situations where like the GM doesn't want to split the party and the party wants to split, you need to just stop and have a conversation and go, all right, look, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't want to split the party. Is there some way we can compromise with this? Or is it absolutely nece- necessary that we split the party? And if it is, then as a GM, you're probably just going to end up eating a little bit of crow. In the immortal words of Vanilla Ice, stop, collaborate, and listen. Right. <laughs> no, but that's the truth. That's the, the honest truth is just sometimes you need to just hit the brakes, step out of the game and have a conversation about the game. And, and that's that's, in my opinion, what takes a good GM and makes them a great GM is when you stop and and go, even if it's at the end of a session, it do, you don't have to stop in the middle. Just to stop and go, all right, so this is what's going on. I don't know that I want to do that. That's a little different than what I had in mind. Let's collaborate and figure out something that we could do maybe instead. If not, figure out how we can go about this, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's important. I think it's important to have those conversations. We've talked about a session zero. We've talked about a session, you know, a a mid-campaign session zero. But... Just having a conversation with your players, keeping your players not informed on how it's made, but informed on where you're at, what you where you'd like to be, you know, not necessarily all the nitty gritty details. You could be as vague about it as you need to be, but just keeping your players in the loop is is a great thing to do. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I think that's one of the things that takes a good GM and makes them a great GM is just making sure that your players are as well informed as they can be about your thoughts, wants, and needs for the campaign. Yeah, and listen to them too. Yeah, and make sure you're listening to them as well and making compromises where necessary. And sometimes a compromise means that, (laughs) and I'm sorry to say this, sometimes a compromise means that the thing that you really wanted has to go out the window. It's truth. I mean, it's, it's just... And that's not always the case. Sometimes you can reach a compromise, but, you know, it's just sometimes the things that you really, really wanted to do just has to either take a backseat or go completely because it's not it's not in the cards for this campaign, this group, this whatever. Right. Right. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Yeah. But we said a lot tonight. And with all those things being said, I think it's time we move into the next segment of the podcast, which is Game of the Week. Woo! Game of the week. Game of the week. Game of the week. So you go ahead and go first. All right. So I found a game today, and this Ooh. is this is uh, something you'd be proud of. This one, Steve. This is a game. Um, I believe the author is actually Polish, but it's from a company called Skavenloft. Okay. And it's a game called Ying Yang Panda, and there's actually a bundle on drive through for it and it's all free not even pay what you want legit free what this is it's based on lasers and feelings so very very simple basically one stat uh, can you link me 
yeah, hang on just a second. So it's it's based on lasers and feelings, one stat, you know, D6. It's a little bit beyond lasers and feelings because depending on the circumstance, you may have more than one die. And depending on how many of them fall, you know, to which side of your target, things change. But this is an unofficial Kung Fu Panda game. Basically, <laughs> if you list, look at the inspirations, actually, I, I downloaded it. I looked through it. It's everything from Drunken Master to Kung Fu Panda to Ip Man. You know, it is a love letter to Kung Fu movies. Oh, I dig it. As it describes itself, Yin Yang Panda is a game of glorious wuxia mayhem. Become a master of animal kung fu, meet new friends, learn powerful techniques, enjoy exotic delicacies, and defend the dragonfly empire against the forces of darkness. Uh, yeah, dig it. All right. Okay. It looks fun. It looks cute. And it's there's a ton of stuff in this bundle, too. Oh, there is a ton of stuff in the bundle. You are not wrong, sir. There is a ton <laughs> of stuff in the bundle. There's like 20-some files. Yeah. And a lot of it, it's it's very kind of kitschy. I mean, the, whole, the, the main book is like 23, 25 pages, but it's free. Yeah. And it looks Ooh. like you could have an absolute blast with this. You know, and I think, in all honesty, you could use this to play a, what do you want to say, more seriously toned game, but you could also use it to play, like you said, Kung Fu Panda, you know, and, and just... Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I found it, and I I thought this is perfect for Game of the Week. But, yeah, and I mean, the, the art is really simple, really whatever. It's, it's, look, you can't ask for too much from a free game, right? But right, it just looks fun. Yeah. No, that's you know? cool. And it's not taking itself seriously. It says in the thing, you know, look, it's not about being, you know, historically accurate or anything like that. It's about kung fu movies. You know, it's it's the gonzoness that is kung fu movies. Mm. So yeah, Ying Yang Panda. Okay, I have one. I got okay. it. I have a game that's pay what you want. It's powered by the apocalypse. It's I don't know how it is. I haven't got to read it yet, but looks pretty cool. You used to in college have a, uh, a bad movie night, right? Yes. Uh, did you ever watch the the horror movie uh, Mutant or Night Shadows? it premiered it came to theaters as i don't recall that okay 1984 you know b-grade horror movie sort of uh if i'm remembering right it was released as a, a zombie like a lucio fulci zombie movie but in certain theaters or certain regions it was released as mutant anyways the game i have is called into the mutant more m-o-o-r Quick little blurb. It's a jungle out there. A radioactive one. Twisted plants drip with toxic dew. Polluted air burns in your wart-covered nose. The ash on the ground reveals a trail of giant flesh-eating worm. If you can find it, the tribe will have food for tonight or lose several of their warriors. This is the mutant moor. There is no place for the weak here. It looks like a fun, B-grade, post-apocalyptic, like, I guess, one-page mutant game. Because it really is only like the file preview is just one page. And it sure looks like the whole game is that one page. <laughs> I was going to say it only listed as being three pages. So yeah, it's a cover, one page, and then the, the back page. But I've kind of wanted to play for a little while now a B-grade 
sleazy 80s horror movie and i think this could be it i think i could use it easily to tell like a like a post-apocalyptic mutant story just seems really interesting good prices right yeah exactly it's pay what you want so pay what you want um suggested price is a dollar but if you want to pay more than that pay more than that if you want to pay less than that pay less than that yeah definitely a really interesting concept definitely something that i'm interested in because like my brain immediately went to like toxic avenger or like i said mutant or um hardwire or hardware i think is what it was called uh from 1990 um any of those like just you know, a really good, goofy 1980s post-apocalyptic mutant game sounds a lot of fun right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think that's me for now. Um, okay. As always, links to everything are in the show notes. We talked a little bit at the top of the show. We'll talk a little bit about it now. We are planning on attending Gamer Nation Con. The Kickstarter is still active. Yeah, I think I'm not sure how much longer it has. Let me look because as we're recording, it's active. Yeah, um, just checking has 19 days to go, so it'll still be active when this airs. Yep, for a couple more days. And we are 19 days to go. So far, they've got eight thousand four hundred ninety-six dollars of their funding, so they've reached the first stretched goal which is a uh, pre-con roller rink dinner and skate party. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, man, Steve, I'd love to see you in some roller skates. Yeah, well, guess what? Um, <laughs> given the fact that I have two titanium hips, <laughs> it ain't happening. Oh, come on, man. They, they're reinforced. <laughs> yeah, until something goes wrong. And uh, I'm however many miles, thousand miles that is away from the people who put them in oh that's not a chance i'm taking <laughs> you're you they're titanium they're extra strong now <laughs> yeah problem is if they uh yeah just picking on you no but... <laughs> no it's all good i hey i mean i used to occasionally roller skate but yeah uh, given that i haven't in a long time and the uh the, let's put it this way the bad things potential is way too high in that <laughs> i was telling i was telling uh my girlfriend about it. And I was like, well, they're having a roller rink party. And she's like, you better not go roller skating. I'm like, I'm going to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, she's like, why? I'm like, cause I haven't roller skated in so long. I want to know if I can still do it. <laughs> she's like, if you come back broken in any way, I'm like, <laughs> well, see, that's, that's more or less the conversation I got. Like you better not. Cause if you get hurt, <laughs> I'm going to come down there and kill you. Yeah. If you get hurt, I'm gonna murder you. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was. I mean, I look, I'll hang out and yeah, whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah. given uh, given how was it that my surgeon advised me? Look, don't do stupid crap. Well, and I think I in think... context, yeah, that might qualify as stupid crap. <laughs> that doesn't fall under stupid crap. But <laughs> jumping out of an airplane, that would that, that that's fair too. But. I think your surgeon would be impressed. <laughs> well, it's hard to tell with him. Yeah, I did it and survived, or I did it and didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, Gamer Nation Con 8 
has an 80s theme, so I got to figure out what game I'm running for that because it's definitely going to be something 80s themed. I can tell you that much. Yeah, um, I'm thinking I'm I, I'm probably going to try and work up Murder Mall for 2020. I was thinking uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure for uh, uh, you know maybe a, a, a Genesis. That could work. I think it would be very thematically appropriate. Yeah, but as always, links to everything are in the show notes. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, Discord, you know, all those fun things. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope you comments, enjoy the... Come talk to us, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I hope you are all enjoying the uh, the Retro Star actual play. I'm editing that one, so bear with it if it doesn't sound quite our normal standard. Still learning, still getting better. So, Well, the other thing, too, for folks to keep in mind is couple of those we just because of real life there was a couple of those sessions there was a rather long break in between yeah yeah there's you know how it goes <laughs> my voice skills suck in the first place so well i want to thank everyone for listening and remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some rpgs yep take care y'all Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at Me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. <sighs> All right, let's get this. Let's get this show on the road. I said I want to do Let's Let's make the pants fly. All right. All right. In three, two, one.